Thanks. Thanks a lot. Thank you. If you've already got one of the 13 million smart meters installed across Britain, we'd just like to say... Thank you. Our electricity needs are predicted to double by 2050. So we have to upgrade our outdated energy system. Just by having a smart meter in your home, you'll be helping the system to better anticipate demand and reduce waste. So we'd just like to say... Thank you for getting the smart meter. From the Campaign for a Smarter Britain. This podcast contains questionable language, questionable content, and questionable opinions. Abandon all hope, ye who enter here. Welcome to Pottern History X. This is a podcast where we bring you very interesting tales of little-known history with a side of sarcasm and a whole lot of ignorance. I am Tom. I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Austin. Yep. How are you today, Austin? I'm ready to learn about history. <laughs> well, you've come to the right podcast, my friend. We are uh, Lexi-less. <laughs> Mm. I don't like that. That's not a good phrase. No, but we do not have Lexi with us today. It is just Austin and myself uh, learning about them's histories and stuff like that. (laughs) Okay. Um, I hope you are ready for an uh, an amazing tale. Uh, This, well, this month we're going to be focusing on the not so crazy, but the more inspirational. Yeah. Um, Uh, Well, apart from the last one. Well, that uh, did that actually? Re- I think that actually released in Jan, like the last day of January. Okay, I hope so. Yeah, but uh, we are going to be focusing on Black History Month, and I have my issues with Black History Month as it is, uh, because I don't believe that you should confine all of Black History into one month. But Glad you clarified that. But that is because <laughs> that started to sound really bad. Oh, did it? Oh, I didn't. I did not intend it that way. Um, I have my problems with Black History Month <laughs> in the opposite way yeah. of most white people. Yeah, yeah. Um. But it is still technically Black History Month. Yeah. So with that, we are myself. I'm going to find uh, four of the more le- the lesser known inspirational figures in Black History, and it starts with this one. Okay. Okay. Are you ready, Austin, to enter the I, world of history? I am ready. Yes. Today's story <laughs> is about a man named Robert Abbott. Have you ever heard of Robert Abbott? No, like I say, every week. Every week, yeah. Uh, except for last week. I did know who Caligula was. Right. That's right. I, yeah. I, yeah. And, I mean, it happens. But <laughs> but his story was still pretty interesting. It was, now, no, it was very interesting. Now, like yeah. I said, if you're prepared for, like, a super funny, super, like, crazy character, you're not going to get it with Robert Abbott. No. So, go away. <laughs> <laughs> that is always a great strategy for go. retaining listeners. There you go. Go away. <laughs> that's what I'm that's what I'm here for. So, Robert Abbott was born on November 24th, 1868 hmm. on St. Simon's Island uh to Flora and Thomas Abbott. His his upbringing is actually pretty interesting oh, yeah? because it's not typical for a black man who was Born in 1968. 1868. 1868. That's what I meant to say. Abbott's mother was born a slave Mm. in Savannah in uh, 1847 to a Portuguese West African parents. Uh, 
Her father, Jacob Butler, was a skilled craftsman, uh, purchased his family's freedom. Okay. So that's how his mother became free. Okay. Abbott's father um, was not exactly not exactly as lucky. He was a house slave, though, uh, which apparently in the ranking of slaves was good, mm. I think. That's what Bill Maher says. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, his father did die when Abbott was just an infant. Um, hostile to Flora uh, for her inferior extraction, the Abbott clan sued for custody of the infant. Uh, John H.H. Sengstack or Sengstacky, it's uh, S-E-N-G-S-T-A-C-K-E, so I don't know how it would have been pronounced back then. Uh, A German newly arrived in Savannah hired a lawyer who represented Flora successfully. So thank you to the Germans for helping Flora get her son back. Mm. That's kind of a cool little thing. Um, since yeah, Stack, we won't be thanking them for long though. <laughs> no, because eighteen sixty-eight. It's pretty close. Yeah, it's, you know, World War One is just right around the corner. Seng Stack's background held surprises. He was in fact a Savannah native. His father Herman was a German immigrant merchant, and his mother. Oh, Herman was a German immigrant. <laughs> Herman was a German immigrant, um, and his mother Tama was a slave purchased off of the auction block and freed by her future husband. Married in 1847, they sent their children to re- to be raised in Germany. Following Herman's death, Seng Stack, Seng Stack, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, uh, returned to Germany in 1869 to settle the state in savannah where he met flora and aided her custody battle Hmm. they married in 17 or 1874 i'm getting all the dates wrong i'm gonna say they're really jumping around here (laughs) they married in 1874 and abbott lived with them for uh in oh my god yamacraw and later woodville I like Woodville better than Yamacraw, just, uh, Yamacraw. Um, which was then a swampy, remote Savannah suburb. Oh, okay. <laughs> what isn't a swampy, remote Savannah <laughs> suburb? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> it's Georgia. Everything is swampy and remote except for Savannah. Uh, his work oh, in is- Atlanta, I guess. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know the history of the, the land there. It might have been. Yeah, yeah, I mean Washington D.C. was as well. That's true. So yeah, I don't know. Um, since Stacky's or since Stack's work as a congressionalist minister teacher drew criticism in his strongly Baptist area, his passion for learning and equality and modest foray into journalism um, deeply shaped young Abbott. Okay, so that's a little bit of his upbringing. Yeah. After briefly attending Savannah's Beach Institute and Chaplin University in Orangeburg, South Carolina, Abbott studied printing at Hampton Institute in Hampton, Virginia, graduating in 1896. Hmm. Um, he then left for Chicago, Illinois, where he earned a law degree from Kent College of Law. Oh. Now, this is what he becomes most famous for when he's in Chicago. It's not so much the law, but what he did while in Chicago. Okay. After experiencing difficulty finding employment as a lawyer, guess why, Austin? Um, I would guess because he's black. You would be right. Uh, would I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because of his race. Seeing as that's still a problem. Yes, it <laughs> really like, is. And I'm, that's that's yeah. a sad part to even think about yeah. because this is still the 1800s. Yeah. Abbott turned to journalism. In 1905, he founded the Chicago Defender, a weekly newspaper that soon dominated Chicago's already crowded black press. 
Within a decade, the Defender was arguably the, mo- the nation's most important African-American newspaper. Surging on the tide of black migration north and west, circulation reached 50,000 by 1916. 125,000 or 100 yeah 125,000 by 1918 and more than 200,000 by the early 1920s. Wow. Overall readership tripled those figures. Some two-thirds of his national publication sales were beyond Chicago. Wow. So it spread really quickly. Yeah. Abbott's newspaper included largely celebratory political, social and entertainment reportings on Bronzeville, uh, which is Black Chicago's nickname. Which okay. I didn't know about. Yeah. Mostly grim racial news from the South, extortions uh, to newcomers for upright conduct in the face of freedom's temptations, personal announcements from readers, employment, and other classifieds, hmm. and often militant editorials for racial equality. Uh, presented with sensationalism in the style of media giant William Randolph Hearst. Wow. Which should be a name familiar to yeah, yeah. some people at yeah. least. I have to say, Chicago Defender, very good name for a superhero. The Chicago Defender? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is, actually. I'm sure they'll be the next Marvel superhero. Oh, they try to profit off of. You know what? The way that they're making all these movies right now? Yeah. Probably. Um, uh, let's see. Abbott urged blacks to fight for equality once promoting um, the slogan, if you must die, take at least one with you. Okay. So it's a little bit of a different approach than say like Martin Luther King who comes yeah. much later. Yeah. Uh he banned the term negro and colored and called them undignified. Instead, the defender constantly used the phrase the race. Oh, okay. The defender considerably influenced the great migration, the period when large numbers of African Americans moved from the south to urban areas in the north following World War 1, which was 1917 to 1918. See, I told you it was around the corner. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> in his lifespan. Yeah. Uh connecting southern blacks with one another with the northern urban communities riding the rails with the Pullman car Porter's massive, if informal, distribution and reporting networks. The counterposing southern brutality with northern opportunity, the paper fostered and wrote the epic migration. Hmm. The paper even set a date, May 15th, 1917, for a great northern drive. White efforts to keep the defender out of the South only raised its standing amongst blacks. Leave it, oh, to, that makes sense, leave yeah. it to white people to like, no, the black people have a newspaper. We can't bring it down here. This is white territory. Yeah. Leave it to the white people to do that. And, and of course, also leave it to them to have those efforts backfire and make it even more popular than it was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That seems to be a common trend even today yeah isn't that strange uh newsstand sales and subscriptions <laughs> were the newspaper's lifeblood advertising was secondary though it grew as white-owned businesses awakened to opportunities for access to the black public and leave it to white people to find a way to profit yeah <laughs> off of a black newspaper um, yeah it is amazing that the thing that makes them okay with it is the money of course it's money like, is well, the answer to everything we wouldn't let you be equal Unless you pay us. Unless we get money <laughs> yeah, out of this, yeah. and then we're good. Yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll take it. Yeah, yeah. Well, sort of. <laughs> yeah. You still got really. to use different bathrooms and drink yeah. out of different uh, you know, water fountains and all that. For like a hundred fucking years. <laughs> but we'll allow it to come south. Yeah. Because well, money. Because of money. Well, it's just like, um, and this was all the way up through from the, 
you know, 30s all the way through the 60s. And maybe, I don't know exactly when it ended, but they used to have what they'd call like colored record companies. Okay. And they'd put out black music. Oh, yeah. Oh, for, it, oh that kind of record. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And it was separate mm-hmm. from the white labels. Yeah, and they couldn't. It definitely was. And they weren't allowed to mix until. And I believe it's later. through that that jazz became one of the most popular types of music, especially in the 20s. Well, ja- well, jazz and that, but it was all the way up through like Motown. Like Motown oh, were even that colored late. records. Yeah. Jeez, man. Yeah, I know. That's how fucked up it was. Uh, satisfying black readers' desire for aggression, or I'm sorry, aggressive racial advocacy, uh, while not alienating white advertisers proved difficult. <laughs> uh. More broadly, Abbott sought a synthesis, not always easy, of racial militancy and self-help ethos. Hmm. It's an interesting combination. Yeah, that's... Hmm. But you got to also remember what time period this is. This is a time period where black rights were n- non-existent, well, but I mean, they that, were beginning. Yeah, that's that's the point I was making. It's like, because you'd mentioned drinking out of separate fountains mm-hmm. and using separate bathrooms. That was like for another 100 years. Yeah, pretty much. Because you said he was born in 1868? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this was obviously, you know... 30 what was it 20 years from then like Give how old was it. he um at that time what was it 1917 is that yeah, yeah so maybe 30 40 years old yeah. something like that so that's what i mean so not for another 40 years mm-hmm. till the civil rights <laughs> do they yeah, get rid yeah. of <laughs> um he doesn't he doesn't even make it there unfortunately mm. i would have liked to see what he would have done at well, that time. yeah i imagine he how would. his attitude might have changed because martin luther king brought a different perspective yeah because yeah, well, he would have been close to 100 had he lived to see yeah, it. it yeah. yeah, it was a long time. Um, the newspaper's success made Abbott an important figure locally and nationally. Mm. In the wake of racial violence in 1919, the Illinois governor named Abbott to the Chicago Commission of Race Relations, mm. which later authored a landmark report in 1922 on African-American urban conditions. Through publishing, he became one of the earliest African-American millionaires and a black folk hero embodying self-help and entrepreneurship in the mold of fellow Hamptonian Booker T. Washington. Oh, Booker T. Mm-hmm. Hmm. The Defender also contributed broadly to the development of a national African-American culture. One of the paper's longtime contributors, Langston Hughes, developed the beloved character Simple in his columns. Oh, okay. Abbott died in Chicago on February 29, 1940, of Bright's disease, having designated his Savannah-born nephew, John H. Sengstack, horse and stacky, um, <laughs> his successor, the soft-spoken country boy who became a major sharp or shaper, yeah, shaper of American <laughs> of African American culture would have relished Hughes' later characterization of his newspaper as the journalistic voice of a largely voiceless people. Hmm. He is buried at Oakwood Cemetery in Chicago. In August 2008, the year where a lot of a lot of things happen, yeah. Georgia, uh, the Georgia Historical Society and the city of Savannah erected a historical marker in Savannah at the corner of West Bay and Albion Streets, where Albion's uh, where Abbott's childhood home is, the patronage for Pilgrim Congressional Church was once located. His oh, church. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. That's actually the story. I got that, by the way, off of the New Georgia Encyclopedia. Okay. Um, because most of the articles that I found on him were very like basic information. This provided the most in-depth. Um, 
And as you research further into Robert Abbott's life, you realize how much of an important figure he actually was. Yeah. He was one, first of all, one of the articles that I read about him said the only man to both fight white supremacists and Nazis. Now, the article huh. <laughs> the article was written before the Trump administration. So things have changed. <laughs> yeah. Now, he actually fought real Nazis yeah. um, because he did die in 1940. So he was still okay. active during World War II. Yeah. Um, born just after the Civil War, but died after World War II. Yeah, it's it, amazing. Yeah, born just after the Civil War, saw the First World War, mm-hmm. the Second World War, but didn't quite get to see the Civil Rights Movement. No. Unfortunately, uh, but what his paper did, the Chicago Defender, what it did was it provided a voice for African Americans that they did not have before. Yeah, and it connected uh, communities all across the country. When you're fighting, when you're still fighting the South in the early 1900s and trying to get your paper to be infiltrated into the South, yeah, you know that your paper is somewhat important. Oh yeah, yeah, it's very important. You know, and then to win and to spread the paper throughout the entire country, becoming one of the most popular newspapers in the world or at least in the country at this point yeah is absolutely amazing and i, I don't know i have a, i have a question for you because like okay. i said it's not it's not a crazy story it's not a no. bizarre story he wasn't no. a crazy person he did advocate for a, a little bit more violence than i personally would have but i'm also not a black man in the early 1900s late 1800s yeah, yeah I know. where i probably would be in the exact same boat as he would yeah. be if you think about it honestly yeah. Well, it's like those people that have that um, philosophical argument between Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. Exactly. Yeah. Two different, com- two complete different stories. And then, and, and their philosophies aren't completely, completely different. But no, Malcolm X, I think, was a little more willing, well, to be aggressive, way more willing. Yeah, we could, you can yeah. safely say it, and that's yeah. okay. I mean, it's because things have to get done. But yeah. my question for you, Mister Austin, okay, is what would what would this world? What what could this country be if it wasn't for the Chicago Defender? So put oh. yourself in an alternate universe for just a second, yeah. and the Chicago Defender does not exist. Robert Abbott does not create this magazine or this newspaper. What happens? Oh boy, it wouldn't be good. Well, <laughs> actually, sadly, I'm not sure it'd be all that different than what eight years of uh, current administration would look like. <laughs> well, come on well, I gotta, I gotta yeah. fill in for Lexi a little bit that's true no it'd, it'd be bad I mean they the African American community would definitely not have that strong voice even if it was like you know one paper yeah I mean there among are, all of the white ones there <laughs> are there are people who believe that the African American community would have no voice even till today because it was that's probably true and the I mean most likely what would have happened is it would have delayed everything it might, probably by a decade or two. I'll even go a step ahead because white America at that time was so, so racist. Yeah. And if, if people think that the North wasn't racist. Oh, it was totally it racist. It was totally racist. <laughs> and Bo- it still is in a lot of I places. I mean, if you think about it, Boston, it's a liberal city, right? But Boston didn't even segregate their baseball team until every other baseball team had done that. Yeah. Like racism was a, a thing well, all today, across the country. Today, the schools are more segregated mm-hmm, than anywhere a, else. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're you're actually pretty right. I know. Inner city schools are the, one of the most mistreated school districts in the entire country. Yeah. 
And but I mean specifically Boston. Boston. Has oh, the in most, just Boston. Yeah, I was Boston just, has the most segregated schools. Listen, in general, yeah. in general, it's like that too. Yeah, public schools. Public actually, schools. Yeah, yeah, of course. Because um, <laughs> private schools are definitely segregated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you can't be segregated if blacks are not allowed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'll give them the Wait, opportunity. I think that's the definition of segregated. <laughs> um, there are a lot of people who believe that there would be no voice for the African-American community because this was the groundbreaker. This yeah. was the one paper that allowed black people to come together and say what they want well, it's, and it's, put it out into the public. It seems like in history, like these breakthroughs happen. I just wonder if it would have taken longer. Probably. Like somebody else would have well, done it, but it would have been another I decade think, or two. I think definitely. Yeah. Because it seems like this happened fairly quickly. If you think about it in, the, in, in time, yeah. the, the paper was established in 1905. And by 19, early 1920s, already 200,000 people were subscribing to this magazine yeah. of a black man. Yeah. The early 1900s in this country seems unrealistic. And when I was reading the story, I was just shocked that I never heard of this. Yeah, this is this is a, a groundbreaking event in American history, whether you whether you knew it or not. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely interesting, and uh, yeah, it is pretty amazing that one paper That's could make it. such a difference. Yeah. Now I have a question for you. Oh boy! So, how long do you think until um, somebody gets a hold of like? His speeches or his writings, and then uses it in a Chevy commercial. <laughs> oh my! God. <laughs> Thankfully for him, yeah. probably never. <laughs> yeah. I, just, I mean, I that would was like, so bad. Yeah, I'd like to take a minute and just say how awful that that what was it Dodge. Dodge yeah. Oh my god! That they would use a probably the most like yeah. the singular voice of the civil rights yeah. movement to sell cars. And like I said to you off air. It seemed to me like you confronted a racist and they put yeah. their hands up and they're like, whoa, yeah. how can I be a racist? I have a black friend. Yeah. And that friend just happens to be Martin Luther King. He's helping me sell my cars. Yeah. <laughs> my pickup trucks. <laughs> which, which which a lot of black people drive. <laughs> like, what, what the fuck was that? Yeah. I don't know who had to, somebody. The fucked that, up part that about that. Like using, that would be like using Martin Luther King to sell Confederate flags. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well. Yeah. The fucked up part about that is somebody came up with the idea, yeah. presented it to a group of people, and that group of people looked at each other mostly and was like, yeah, this is fucking fantastic. Let's get yeah. it to work. Yeah. And no one in that office, no one down the line was like, yeah, was Whoa, like Whoa, this is a really stupid this is, idea. Yeah. This is bad. <laughs> I know. No, apparently not. <laughs> it's like it's like how many years until the uh like the Rosa Parks toaster? <laughs> It's like this is oh, man. this is ridiculous. Oh man, no. And Purdue uses Malcolm X's thing. <laughs> oh my God! Stop. Look, I mean, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I really am shocked no, me that somebody oh, let that happen. Me too. Yeah, me too. But um, well, that's all I have on Robert Abbott. I'm okay. just happy to share this story because yeah. I didn't know about it, and it hurts. The Chicago me. Defender. The Chicago Defender. It I really- just say it's a really good name too. The Chicago Fire yeah. is really good. <laughs> yeah. I just like I feel bad when I don't know these stories. Mm-hmm. I feel bad that I don't know these people who are way more inspirational than half the people we have in our world today. Yeah. So, well, I mean, we're lucky we even learned about the civil rights movement I, in school. Yeah. Because if you read the textbooks now, I was I yeah. was looking online and there's 
they're not teaching black no. history anymore. Yeah, that's a shame. Yeah. It's a shame. Well, let's, Because in Texas, they decided it was a little too controversial. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's fine. But we'll they te- definitely are not we'll, controversial we'll, down in Texas. But we <laughs> will teach that Davy Crockett was a hero at the Alamo. Well, he had that hat. Yeah, even though history shows, one, he was most likely hiding underneath a desk when the Mexicans actually invaded the fort. Okay. And then, two, he might not have even been there at all. So, so, so this is like a little like sneak preview for a possible Alamo episode. Oh, it's a 100% a sneak preview. <laughs> 100%. Because the story- So here, here's the question. Is it going to be- Yeah, but I think- So is it going to be an episode about Davy Crockett or are we going to do yeah. the whole Alamo? Well- it depends. This season is figures. I know, but I'm wondering if we'll push it off till Maybe. next season. Maybe. We'll, we'll find yeah, out. For events. We'll or, find is that out. what we decided next season is? I think so, yeah. Events. Okay. I think so. I like it. But uh, the story of the Alamo yeah. on a side rant here is 100% different than what people think the Alamo is because of these stupid fucking movies that get made. <laughs> anyway. One that's, in particular. That's all I have. <laughs> in the Alamo. Yeah. That's all I have on Robert Abbott. Abbott let's take a break. Okay. Uh, when we come back, we'll just have our final thoughts on uh, Robert Abbott, and that's it. All right. All right, Austin. Um, So like I said, that is what I have on Robert Abbott. What do you think? I mean, it's a fascinating man. Um it's incredible that he built an entire newspaper that really affected an entire community. A whole country. Yeah. A whole country. It allowed- uh, I can't even get my album done. <laughs> <laughs> it, it actually allowed black communities all across the country in a time where there was not much technology. I know. It's amazing. It's to like, have a voice. It's like when I think, uh, eventually I want to write out, out a blog post for mm-hmm. our website. But I sit there thinking, oh, I don't want to do this now. <laughs> Look at this guy built an entire newspaper. Yeah. Nothing like a black newspaper like that never, probably no. never existed before. No. no. And that volume and in that. Yeah. yeah. It gave it gave a, a, a voiceless community. I'm taking the quote, obviously, yeah. away from, I think, um, I'm taking, uh, obviously, I'm taking the quote directly from uh, Robert Abbott. Yeah. But- um, it gave a voice to a voiceless community, yeah. which is one of the most important things that you can do. Yeah, And even till today, regardless of race, not having a voice is what destroys people and communities, Yeah, which is why we get to do this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, not this one. <laughs> not this one. <laughs> but we don't have any other podcasts that no. we do, so this is it. This is our sole focus. Yep. <laughs> No, thank God that's not true. Otherwise, we'd be really bad at focusing. Really bad at focusing. <laughs> yeah. um, so that's it. That's the story of Robert Abbott. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, short and sweet, but important. Yeah. Uh, please look him up. Look up more of the stories. You can find article clips or clippings online. It's 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 inspirational. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. And yeah, there are some moments where it's a it's blatantly aggressive. Yeah. But you have to be at that yeah. time. You got to remember that when you're wa- when you're reading these newspaper articles. But in you know, definitely look up uh, Robert Abbott, and uh, you'll be entertained with a lot of a lot of amazing facts. Right. Um, as always, you can find us on Twitter 
at uh, Pod and History X. Where we have our On This Day in History tweet every day. Every day, thanks to Lexi. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how, but every single day. Yeah. Never misses a tweet. Yeah, because if I had one more Twitter thing I had to do, I'd probably I shoot myself. I couldn't. I couldn't. <laughs> um, you can find us on uh, BrainTrustBros.com, where mm-hmm. you know that's our main host. Uh, check it out. Check out all the other podcasters, uh, all the other podcasts that are on that website as well. Yeah, they're growing quite a network over there. They, they yeah. definitely are. Yeah. Good job, Rhett. Um, and you know what? Just keep in touch with the show. We're going to have a new episode every week. The rest of the month is going to be lesser known important black figures yeah um men and women because there are a lot of them and just because you don't hear about them does not mean that they don't exist yeah so it's my job to find a few and i hope that you enjoy what uh what i do find yeah so that's it yep i'm very passionate about this because we need we need to have more different people yeah uh, you know, and a different dialogue. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I think we'll probably have like another maybe ten to fifteen episodes left in the season. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Tom gave me the uh, oh no look. <laughs> oh no. Okay. <laughs> and then we'll probably take a month off. Yeah. And then we'll come back with season two. So season two, season two is uh, this is like the mid mid middle part of the season. Yeah. So we're at the um, mid season. Yeah. That's why that. That last episode was our mid-season premiere there to you use go. TV lingo. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Totally not just a bullshit excuse for not having done it. But in all honesty, I do have a lot of awesome stories. I'm preparing ahead this time oh, good. so we don't fall into the same kind of trap yeah. that I did beforehand. So, um, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. All so right. uh, tune in next week for a whole new episode on another important figure in history. Uh, I'm Tom. I'm Austin. And we'll be back next week. Yep. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Brain Trust Brothers Network. For more information about this podcast or others, visit BrainTrustBros.com. Dear noble shopkeeper, is 25 the magic number? That's right. For one night only, the Lotto Birthday Jackpot is £25 million. And it must be won this Saturday. Lotto, celebrating 25 years of the National Lottery. Your numbers make amazing happen. Rules and procedures apply. Players must be 16 or over. In celebration of the release of Disney's Frozen 2, we invite you to live your family winter adventure with Marriott Bonvoy. When you book a stay and eat at one of our hotels, up to two kids under 12 stay and eat for free. Magical destinations across Europe are waiting for you. So get ready for your unforgettable holiday with Marriott Bonvoy. Disney's Frozen 2 in cinemas now. Offer ends 27th December 2019. Terms and conditions apply. See marriott.co.uk for more details.